0: My name is Jonathan. I'm one of the the pastors here uh, at Redeemer. We are continuing in a series on the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, We're up to the fifth commandment. Uh, There's an insert in your worship folder. On one side is the scripture passage, and on the other side is the sermon outline uh, for this week. Uh, You'll see on the scripture passage side, there's a lot of scripture. that's been the case a number of weeks, uh, but as I said uh, a few weeks back, uh, for some of us this this may be the, the most of the Bible we read this week, so uh, it's good to get to read God's Word. Uh, we're going to read it uh, starting at the top with uh, Deuteronomy 5, 6 and 16, and then go through and read a bit of 16, a bit of 17, and a bit of chapter 18. So follow along with me, it'll be on the screen behind me and uh, it's also printed there for you. This is God's word. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall appoint judges and officers in all your towns that the Lord your God is giving you according to your tribes. And they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality. And you shall not accept a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. Justice and only justice you shall follow. That you may live and inherit the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And now Deuteronomy 17. When you come to the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And you possess it and dwell in it and then say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. You may indeed set a king over you whom the Lord, your God, will choose one from among your brothers. You shall set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Only he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses, since the Lord has said to you you shall never return that way again. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God By keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers and that he may not turn aside from the commandment either to the right hand or to the left so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. And then last from Deuteronomy chapter 18, the Levitical priests, all the tribe of Levi shall have no portion or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the Lord's food offerings as their inheritance. They shall have no inheritance among their brothers. The Lord is their inheritance as he promised them. And this shall be the priest's due from the people, from those offering a sacrifice, whether an ox or a sheep, they shall give to the priest the shoulder and the two cheeks and the stomach, the first fruits of your grain, of your wine and of your oil and the first fleece of your sheep, you shall give him. For the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand and minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons for all time. And if a Levite comes from any of your towns out of all Israel where he lives, and he may come when he desires, to the place that the Lord will choose, and ministers in the name of the Lord his God, like all his fellow Levites who stand to minister there before the Lord, then he may have equal portions to eat besides what he receives from the sale of his patrimony. And skipping to verse 15. The Lord, your God, will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord, your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord, my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him and whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name I myself will require it of him but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods that same prophet shall die and if you say in your heart how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Uh, this is God's word once again. Uh, we are, as I said, in a series on Deuteronomy and the Ten Commandments. And what we're doing is we're taking Deuteronomy and we're taking a commandment each week and we're sort of fleshing out the command. Uh through other bits of the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, These Ten Commandments describe the way life works best. For some of you, you may think that they they address certain things, but really they can't address all of life. Uh, And I would argue they do address all of life. They are completely comprehensive from one to ten. Uh, And I hope you're starting to see that. In the past four weeks, we've looked at the first four commandments. Uh, Have no other gods before me. And how easy it is to, uh, let our hearts be swayed by idols. Uh, we've looked at what it means to take the Lord's name in vain. That is, the Lord sets his name on us as his people. And when we shame him, when we disobey, uh, we are, uh, making his name in vain. We are, we are invalidating it, so to speak. And then last week, we looked at the fourth commandment on uh, observing the Sabbath, on doing and bringing Sabbath rest. Uh, And as your introduction says there, if you uh, flip over the little insert, uh, our goal is 100% obedience. That's what we're aiming for, right? Our our goal is not 75% obedience or half obedience. It's 100% obedience. God demands we be obedient all of the time. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But... How does the Bible teach us to pursue obedience? How does it motivate us to obedience? And we've talked about this week in and week out. It calls us to remember the gospel. And so we've looked at the command. We've looked at the sin that results when we don't keep the command. We've looked at how Jesus in the gospel uh, keeps the command for us, but also propels us toward obedience as we rest in his work. Uh, we've seen how the law exposes every nook and cranny of our lives. The psalmist said in Psalm one nineteen, verse ninety six. This really hit me this week. He said, "Your commandment is exceedingly broad." Right? I mean, we know what that means. Broad. Uh, it, it's it's wide and deep and 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 long, and we we never really get fully how it's all of those things. But I think this in this series, what we've tried to be doing is showing you. When you really dig underneath these commandments, they are super broad and it's cause for super repentance. But thankfully, we have a super duper savior. Would you like for me to use that word uh, more? I'll try uh, later, maybe. Uh, today, we're going to start looking at the so-called second table of the Ten Commandments. An easy way to summarize the Ten Commandments is like this. One through four is our relationship to God. Five through ten is our relationship to each other. And so uh, Jesus said, love God, it's the greatest commandment, and love your neighbor as yourself is the second greatest commandment. All the law and the prophets stem from these two commands. And we're going to see in the coming weeks how pervasive the law is and how broadly the commandments apply to life. So look at the fifth commandment, learning how to rightly relate to one another starts with the first relationship we're all introduced to the first one, and that is our father and our mother family. Uh, the family relationship, according to the Bible, is the fundamental relationship of society. So if the family isn't working, then society is not going to work. If the family breaks down, society is going to break down. So as we look at the summary here of the, of the, the points that I want to kind of work through as we look at this commandment, first, what does it mean, the reality of authority? Secondly, uh, I apologize, it says the gift of authority. It should be the challenge of authority. Uh, so if you're really uh, OCD and you want to cross out gift and write challenge, go ahead. <clears throat> so why do we need it? What sins get exposed as we look at how it challenges us? And then thirdly, the beauty of authority. How do we accomplish honoring the authorities in our lives, beginning with father and mother? And then how does that change us, uh, change our obedience rather? So first, the reality of authority. What's the commandment mean? Well, it says honor your father and your mother. And your Hebrew lesson for the day is that the word honor is kavod. Everybody say it with me. Kavod. Isn't that a nice word? That wasn't everybody. Come on. Kavod. Isn't that a nice word? It's a great word. What in the world does it mean? Well, it means to give weight or heaviness to. Right? So God is saying to Israel, uh, give heaviness to your father and mother. Give significance to your father and mother. Treat them with heaviness so the implication forces us to then ask on the flip side do we treat our parents flippantly that's the opposite of honor that's the opposite of giving weight to them now let me pause for a second and just clarify something the commands here were not given to just a group of first grade israelites okay they were given to adults along with their children but probably Uh, it was primarily a group of adults. They had spent 40 years in the wilderness. This is kind of the second generation. They had risen uh, or grown up, rather, in the wilderness. In Ephesians 6, Paul tells little children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But eventually, children grow up to be adults, and the Bible doesn't say to grown-ups, obey your children, or excuse me, obey your parents. What if obeying your parents meant disobeying the Lord? The fifth commandment is very clear. Throughout all of your life, you're called, you're commanded to honor or reverence or treat as significant father and mother, those that you have been given by God from birth. Our parents' authority in our lives is our first taste of God's authority. They represent Him. And so a call to honor our parents is a call to honor God. Let's be clear about that, at least from the outset. When we treat our parents, flippantly, when we don't assign them the heaviness that they're due, we're likewise treating God flippantly. And we're acting like God's weight isn't important. Uh, but how will children learn what it means to honor their father and their mother? They have to be taught. And obviously, parents, you know, teaching requires speaking. Giving our kids a moral compass requires that we talk to them about Morality. But they also have to see, right? They have to see mommy and daddy, for example, honoring grandma and grandpa. Okay? They have to see us honoring our parents. If you go back to Deuteronomy 6, verse 20, that we kind of opened the series with, Moses says, when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of these commands? Why do we keep the law of God? Uh, the implication there is that our children will ask us, if they actually see us, right, they have to see us taking the law of God seriously. We have to be doing God's commands in front of them for them to actually ask, uh, why are you doing that? Otherwise, they're going to ask us why we're doing other things. So our children are only going to learn to honor father and mother as well as all authority insofar as they see their parents honoring the authorities in their life. Now, we read quite, uh, several questions from the Westminster Larger Catechism this morning. Question 124 says, or expands, I should say, the meaning of father and mother in the fifth commandment to all authority. And it even goes so far as to say that the scope of the fifth commandment is how we relate to people above us, below us, and people who are equal to us, right? Our inferiors, our superiors, and our equals. Okay? So, if that's what it means, you can see how significant it is and how far-reaching it is. It is pervasive. That last question, what is the scope of the fifth commandment? You may have never thought about that before. First time I read that, I'm kind of going, what? That's It just says father and mother. But again, the commandments of God are very broad. And the catechism is trying to point us away from just looking at a sort of a wooden understanding of that Uh, commandment and seeing how it gets fleshed out not only in the nation of Israel but for us today so let's look at the challenge of authority why do we need this command what sins get uncovered as you think about how broad this command is and how we don't obey it well consider this first and I, I just mentioned this but if you think about it everyone in the room okay has some measure of authority and is under some measure of authority right everybody does Uh, If you're, uh, you know, a sibling, let's say you're an older sibling, you have some authority over your younger siblings. You sort of teach them the ropes, how it goes. And the authority over you is obviously mom and dad. Uh, But everybody in here has someone below them, above them, and equal to them. But it's what we do with the authority that we have and how we react to the authority we are under that reveals much of our problem, right? Think about this. Superiors often lord it over their inferiors, right? You are under me. Be quiet and obey. Okay? Parents? How many of you used that line? Just this morning. Uh Uh-huh. Thank you, David, for being honest, right? Inferiors will often grumble and get lazy under their superiors because their superiors are lording it over them. And then equals, well, we just simply seek to one-up each other, right? Right? Oh, I can do that better than you. And so selfish ambition becomes the rule of the day. The root problem is this. We don't like submission. Shall I repeat that? We don't like submission. At all. In fact, we like to get our way. No, actually, we have to get our way. If we don't, what happens? Oh, you better watch out. Because my wrath's going to come down on whoever stands between There's my way and right here, right? The obstacles in my way. It's Jonathan Street, right? All through life. And if you get in the way, I'm going to figure out a way to move you out of my way. We love to say to our children, let me correct that. I love to say to my children, maybe you don't ever say this, and really, I'll say it to anybody who will listen. It's my way or the highway, right? We'd love to say that at least I do maybe you've never said that before. I need to come hang out with you more okay so I what I want to do is look at two areas of, of sin that the fifth commandment exposes It really works out this way write down if you're if you're taking notes you have a pen write down Ephesians 521 through six nine okay and I would encourage you strongly go home and read that this afternoon okay turn off the NFL and read Ephesians 521 through six69 okay It will nourish your soul. And Paul really works through three relationships that I'm going to kind of highlight or allude to. Husband-wife, parent-child, master-slave. Okay. And how the fifth commandment exposes the sin in us uh, as we kind of think about those three relationships. Well, first, we don't like submission. And I want you to think about how our culture is pushing us toward A fancy word, egalitarianism. It just means that everybody's equal, right? Our culture's pushing us toward that. Because the word submission sounds like being a slave. Wives, be a slave to your husband. Is that what the Bible says? No. But our culture ends up feeding our self-absorption and it produces very headstrong, rebellious type of people. Because you're not going to tell me how to do things. I'll live my life, the way I want to live it. In fact, postmodernism has come along and said, Who are you to tell me what to do? We are both the same, right? We're both, uh, we're both equal. In fact, in recent years, our culture has even redefined parenting as nothing more than emotional nurture. You let your children discover their own way, they blaze their own path, you don't make any demands of them, you just Oh, you know, it's so cheesy. And yet books are written about it and our culture is pushing it. Don't force your children to submit. They're not your slaves. Let them discover their own path. Oh, peace, love and joy and Volkswagen bands and stuff, you know. And so what are we doing? We breed a passion for self will. which which works against the call, the biblical call, to submit and honor authority. What's this approach doing? What it's trying to do outside of the gospel is it's trying to correct the tendency that those who are given authority have to be tyrannical, right? If you're given authority, there's a tendency to want to lord it over and be a tyrant over those under you. But it's also trying to correct the tendency of those under authority to be a doormat for their superiors, right? Both are wrong responses to submission. The problem is, the Bible never frames the call to submit as a call to a slavish, mindless obedience to a, to a tyrannical power. The Bible never does that. Paul says to submit in Ephesians 5.21 out of reverence for Christ. He says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so the call to submit and honor authority that you find in the fifth commandment is, is grounded in the gospel. So, wives, Children, employees, did I cover the room pretty much? Hope so. Ask this question. How can I consistently demonstrate with my words, actions, and attitudes the respect, honor, and submission due the person that God has placed over me? Now, how am I disrespectful or contrary, headstrong, lazy, or even manipulative? That pretty much covers it right there. Okay? Now, uh, an illustration is one of my children is very headstrong. She was told a few weeks ago upon getting out of the car after a long day of school and her mother had worked until God knows when in the day, right? And so they got home and her mother said, please take a shower. Go in and take a shower. And you would have thought that she'd have been told to, you know, uh, I don't know, do 50 multiplication tables for the next 12 hours. She just went bonkers and she started crying and she just fell apart. And here's the line. You ready? She said to Jamie, why can't I just have my way? I'm not going to tell you what Jamie said in response to that. OK, that's not the point. The point is that our children don't like to submit right well they're getting they're coming by that naturally we don't like to submit either you tell me what to do i'm gonna bucket that we don't like submission now secondly we don't love well now uh go sort of to the other end of the spectrum here a more traditional and at times let's be honest chauvinistic view of authority tends to emphasize the will or agenda of the of the one in in a position of power and so this can often lead to a self-serving harshness that isn't concerned about the people under your authority. You're just concerned that they know what? Who's the boss, right? I don't care really about you. I just want you to know uh, I'm the boss. You better remember, I'm the boss. And so this can produce neglectful, domineering leadership. I mean, parenting too, after all. The people under me don't matter. It only matters that they follow We call those under us to obey or else. And again, this approach or this tendency, this view of authority, apart from the gospel, is trying to correct the possibility that sometimes people with authority will abdicate their role, just give it up, because after the people under me, they're not listening to me. So I'm just going to... So this approach is reminding them, no, 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 you are the boss. You can't leave. Otherwise, they wouldn't know what to do without you. Right? But it's also... Trying to guard against the fact that often those under authority seek to usurp those with the power. What does usurp mean? It means sort of to sort of go underneath and deceitfully try and take power away, pull power away from the person above them. But the problem is it doesn't produce authorities that are loving or seeking to serve those under them. Now, here you go. You thought you were getting away, husbands, parents, and employers or bosses. If you're a boss. If if, if there are people under you in this room, ask this question, how can I by my words, actions and attitudes nourish, protect, care and treat fairly the person God has placed under my care? How am I unfair or self-serving or harsh or neglectful or irritating or discouraging or domineering? Now, I read these questions and I'm done, okay? It's to the confession booth I go because i got lots of sin to repent of just in these two questions about how I uh, am disrespectful to those above me, headstrong, lazy, or manipulative, and for those under me, I'm self-serving, I'm harsh, I'm neglectful, and I'm domineering. Now, uh I'm not going to tell you what Jamie said in response to why can't I just have my way. What I am going to do is tell you how... I like to, um, well, let's call it unfair, domineering parenting. I'm really good at that. In fact, I should write a book on it. Example of this would be, if either one of my children want to say something to me, I don't care what it is, if I'm in the obey me mode, right? Which is usually about 7.30 p.m. on a weeknight, right? I'm in the obey me, I don't care about anything else, obey me right now mode, okay? We could be outside in the driveway, the house could be burning, it could be going up, on fire, my computer, books, anything in there. Uh, Daddy, I just want to be quiet, go get a shower, but the house, be quiet, go get a shower, okay? Daddy, your car just got stuck. I don't care, go in and take a shower. Right? That's what I do. I'm domineering. I'm harsh. I'm neglectful because they, Ellie may just be trying to tell me, daddy, I had a great day at school or uh, I made a new friend today or I really enjoyed writing about such and such and here it is. I just wanted you to read it. Mm, and then I melt, you know, to the ground because I feel terrible. But that's what I do. That's what we all do with those uh, above us why can't I just have my way and with those under us just be quiet and listen but the house is on I don't care right nothing else matters at that point except that you obey me so you can definitely see how challenging it is to honor authority right whether it's parents whether it's a spouse whether it's a boss the only way we can ever hope to accomplish The high call that the fifth commandment sets to honor father and mother and all authority is to see the goodness and beauty of authority, which is epitomized for us in the person and work of Jesus. Now, we read portions of Deuteronomy 16, 17 and 18. Why did we do that? Well, it's Moses instruction to the people about the authorities that God has set in place in Israel. And so he talks about the judge, the king, the priest and the prophet. And, of course, this is already in light of the fifth commandment. Okay, so the call for Israel was to honor their parents throughout all of life. But the authorities God set in place in Israel were to receive honor as well. And so it's important we need to consider how the entire authority structure in Israel reinforces the call to obey and honor authority. Dads, here's the scary thing. What the judge, prophet, priest and king were in the nation in society we are called to be within our family unit that's scary especially when you consider what all these offices did so let's look at them in israel the goal of each office of authority was to model god for israel they were the the, the individual israelite was to look at these offices and want to follow them because they were a picture of true authority all all four of them so look at this. The judge exemplified the way of the Lord by doing justice, by not perverting justice, by not showing partiality, by, 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 by judging righteously, Moses says. The priest exemplified dependence upon the Lord to provide for every need because they were dependent on the people's obedience to give because the Levites didn't have an inheritance. And so it was the job of the, or the call of the priest to live in dependence on God. The king exemplified servant leadership. He wasn't interested in pursuing warfare or women or wealth, which was what every other king in the ancient world did. He was called to exemplify servant leadership, to love the law of God. Fourth, the prophet was a model of God's messenger to the nation. He was a picture of Israel being a light to the nations and so you've got judge priest king and prophet but as you read through the history of israel you see no israel ever perfectly and completely carried out one of these offices no one was the perfect judge no levite was ever the perfect priest there was no perfect king even though david was a man after god's own heart he still uh, sinned royally Uh, there was no perfect prophet in fact as Moses says, the Lord will raise up a prophet for you like me or after me. Uh, that never happened. And what followed was massive corruption and the people becoming less and less obedient to the law of God. In fact, they eventually lost the law of God and Josiah found it, one of the later kings. So as a result, authority wasn't seen as a good thing. But we all know if you read through the history of Israel and you come to the New Testament one day, an Israelite comes who would be the most beautiful picture of authority the world's ever seen, and that's obviously Jesus. Jesus was the perfect judge, the perfect priest, the perfect king, the perfect prophet. Listen to this. He walked in the way of the Lord, doing justice and righteousness every day of his life. He submitted to the authority and will of his Father, He lived in total dependence on his father for every need. Jesus is the perfect servant king who pursued peace and called his followers to give away their wealth rather than hold tightly to it. And finally, Jesus proclaimed the word of God, but not only that, he is the word of God made flesh. And by Jesus' death and resurrection, he has shown the light of his glory into every heart that believes in him. By faith. Now, this is amazing. Listen to this. We're almost done. Listen to this. The same one who said this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, right? You remember him saying that? The same one who said that lived in perfect submission to his heavenly father. Jesus knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that his father was for him so he could happily submit to whatever God asked him to do. But you would have never known that he had all authority in the world. I mean, think if you're a disciple and you've walked all the way through his life and you get to Matthew chapter 28 and you and re- and you and you hear those words come out of this man's mouth. It's incredible. You would never know that he had all authority in the world because he served, he was quiet, he was humble. He was the most beautiful person ever. And so for you and I, as we come to uh, the last point there if we can see the beauty of authority the, the the perfect submission of jesus and the perfect carrying out of authority here's a man who had all authority in heaven and on earth and a man who was perfectly 100 totally sold out to submitting to his father if we can see that if our hearts would be captured by his work by faith in the gospel we can move toward honoring all the authorities in our lives, whether as superior and inferior or an equal, because if we remind ourselves daily of why we obey, not to gain acceptance with God, not because we want to prove ourselves to God. But because of what Jesus has done for us, and as we begin to reflect on that more and more, we obey out of love and gratitude, not out of compulsion or fear. And so this is it right here. Listen. The gospel produces a joyful submission to those over me. But it also produces a nourishing care for those who are under me. Okay? We can joyfully submit in the gospel to those who are over us. Notice I didn't say submit. I said joyfully submit. Kids, uh, children, whatever you want to be called. When your parents say something. Yes, ma'am. And it's the goal is that you would want to obey them. That you would love their voice saying, go take the trash out. Okay? Ellie, I want you to love the sound of my voice saying, go take a shower. Yes, sir! That's exactly what I wanted to do at that particular moment in time. The Gospel produces joyful submission, but it also produces a nourishing care for those under me. If you have authority, if you have people under you, okay, Husbands, parents, bosses. If you have people under you and you are a Christian, but you're under the master authority, the greatest authority, how could you ever possibly, having received from him what you've received, treat those under you without love and nourishment and care? When I keep who I am in Christ in perspective, that is first I'm part of his bride, I'm his child, I'm his slave, then I will approach the authorities in my life as an extension of God's authority, which is ultimate. It's a very humbling change that occurs in our heart. Because God's goodness will lead us to believe that authority is good. It's good that He's placed authorities in our lives. It's good that He's given authority to our father and mother from birth. And we are called to honor them. It's good that we have bosses. It's good that... We are called to obey people, and yet it's also good that some of us have been given a measure of authority, and how we use it will determine how those who follow us follow, and how obedient uh, we can be in the face of that. So let's pray that God would work into us, into our hearts, a love of authority, children, a love for mom and dad, uh Husbands, a love for your wives. Wives, a joyful submission to your husbands. Bosses, a love and a care, a nourishment of those under you. And employees, a a, a diligent, hard working uh, for those um, above you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the perfect picture of authority. That all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Uh, that you are... Uh, Wow! You commanded the stars to come into existence, and boom, they came into existence. That you have that kind of authority, and yet you lived in perfect and total and complete submission uh, to the will of your Father. Uh, I pray that you would work into our hearts uh, a sense of love and gratitude for how beautiful, how beautifully you have carried out your authority. And how beautifully you've sat under the authority of your Father. And as that begins to take root in our hearts, that it might produce in us obedience, a love of obedience uh, to those authorities in our lives. And may you receive glory and honor as a result. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, And so for the benediction, uh, as you go, as we've just sung, we can fall down and lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus who has ultimate authority uh, because He would love us enough to come, uh, because He would have mercy on us to forgive us of our sins. We can humbly fall before Him uh, to whom all authority has been given. Uh, and from there, uh, go out uh, obediently to carry out the mission that He's given to us. So, receive the benediction as you go as a blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face toward you and give you His peace, both now and forevermore. Amen. Go in His peace.